0: This is Rick coming at you with Weed to No Basis, the podcast for all things cannabis business related. Are you an entrepreneur? Have something you wanted to create, something you wanted to bring to life in the cannabis industry? Maybe you've always wanted to partake in one of the biggest industries in modern day history. This is the podcast to listen to. All right, everybody, we're back with another episode of Weed to No Basis and we're coming at you live. And if you're, remember, some of you are watching, some of you are listening, so if you're listening, you gotta go back to YouTube or WeedTube and check this out because sometimes there's shenanigans at you that don't translate well into your earbud. But listen, if you are listening your earbuds, don't try to do stuff while you're driving, be safe. Um, and remember, as always, if you're here, it's because you are on a weed-to-know basis. Now, we bring you distinct topics, topics that talk about the culture, the lifestyle, Um, really what's going on in the cannabis world, CBD and marijuana from a very distinct perspective. That perspective is from a 52 year old guy who has no business being in this business. And we're blazing new trails. And today we got a very cool guest. I'm gonna introduce you to a sec to this guy. You can already see him sitting next to me. He's probably going, okay, introduce me already. But before we go on, a cool thing is that he's got a freaking entourage with him. You can't see it behind us, but he's, (laughs) this dude's got an entourage, and you know when there's an entourage, this is gonna be legit serious. So I got Mr. Joseph Holster, Joe Holster. He's a managing partner managing attorney at Holscher Gabia Cepeda, PLLC, a law firm right here in San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to the show, Joe. Well, thank you for having me, Rick. i nice. looking forward to this. Very cool. And you know, the, the funny thing is, is that um, uh, I'll, I'll go back to, we actually tried to do this episode on a Zoom call about two weeks ago, something like that. Yeah. And I could, I could tell that just in the first few minutes, I'm like, this is gonna be a it's gonna be a great episode. So you guys don't tune out Two weeks ago, I was like, this is gonna be good. And then the zoom skipped a little bit. And I was like, oh no, 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 we need to do this live. So I really appreciate you coming down to our studio studio here. <laughs> it's my pleasure. <laughs> cool. And also, you guys know that this is Hemp Q. So this is really this is where we live. This is where we live and play and obviously record. So um it wasn't just literally 20 minutes ago. This was probably TMI. I was in the gym working out, ran up, grabbed a shower, and came downstairs to record, so welcome. Give us um, an overview. Tell us, because when people think of law or like medicine or big topics, it's a really big topic. So tell us, share with us a little bit about, you know, your background, uh, what you do, and then why cannabis or what you're doing to impact the cannabis space uh, as an attorney.
1: So I'm a started as a criminal defense lawyer, and now I'm largely a child welfare attorney. Um, but the, the areas are linked, and in Texas, of course, as a criminal defense attorney, you handle a lot of pot cases. But I was raised by a lawyer named Jerry Goldstein um, and his partner who's passed away, Van Hilley. Um, and one of the first pieces of advice he gave me was, you need to get active with Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws and you need to watch out for your potheads. I said, okay, Jerry. And, I, and at that point in my career, I did whatever Jerry said. So I, I joined the normal legal committee. And uh, back in those days, we used to say that we were trying to legalize marijuana one case at a time, uh, just win every single case. Over time, uh, as people's ideas about marijuana, marijuana products liberalized, we had people coming to us with different needs. So a big thing in, in Jerry's office that, when he got too big for this kind of stuff, that he would throw off to us was representing employees of head shops, uh, burgeoning canna businesses, because cities all over Texas would target them. If they wanted to shut down the business, they would go arrest the staff and just create a headache for everybody. Um, So gradually over time, we got more and more involved in the canna business side of things, which is still very anemic in Texas but it was that representation early on of people who were accused of possession of marijuana. Um, and we still give discounts on those cases to this day. So uh, it's less necessary, but, but we don't make money on those cases because it's just the right thing to do. That's what's gotten us into the cannabis business.
0: Interesting. Is business booming? Is it growing?
1: Not in Texas the way you would hope. I mean, for a while it, it certainly did because there was so much uncertainty over CBD initially, but law enforcement in Texas backed off pretty quickly because of DPS realizing when the Compassionate Use Act was passed originally, that it created loopholes, that the state no longer could determine the ratios of the products in terms of CBD versus THC, and so they weren't sure if it was illegal, and rather than go get some, some cases from the appellate court saying, oh no. Uh, This is now legal in Texas. They just backed off. And that's what kind of led to the original explosion of CBD in Texas. But right now, we still don't have a good framework for cannabis business in this state. I mean, we're very limited.
0: Interesting. I'm going to come back to a couple things. One is the teacup, the Texas Compassionate Use Program that you made reference to. But the other one, um, another one I'm going to come back to is I love, I'm going to, this is a a quote, legalize marijuana one case at a time. There's a lot of simple but simple power in that statement. But um so Texas anemic uh, and just for clarity's sake for for listeners or viewers we're recording this this is a uber cold day in south texas. We had a cold front literally snow came in last night Allegedly. in san antonio, right? I didn't see it. I saw it on the news. And it's been like the first snow in two years. And so we're recording this in January, uh, February of 2020, just to give you guys some context of where we're at um, and the statement anemic. because I got to agree. And where would, from your vantage point, uh, the legal side, or even as just a concerned citizen side, what state would you say, would you point to that said and say, this is where Texas should be headed towards or needs to head towards? Is there a state you would point to?
1: Man, you know, there's so many different frameworks right now. Um, personally, I like what Colorado is doing, and I like what Nevada is doing. Those are two models that I think could easily be adapted for Texas. I don't like what California is doing. I think it's created um, a market that's too expensive, and and just breeds, you know, these big boy investor players instead of people who really have history within the industry, which is a shame because of California's history in the industry. Right. Um, So those are probably the two states whose models I think would import best into Texas. Nice.
0: What about Oklahoma?
1: We are less progressive than Oklahoma. And so the advantage of us being behind the eight ball is we do get to look at other states and see what type of model could work here. And I think the Oklahoma model could work well for Texas too. Anything would work better than what we've got. The uniqueness about Texas is we do have a very strong conservative base in this state. And we have to, I think, respect their sensitivities to a little, to an extent, Um, because ultimately what we want to do is convert them to the cause. And we're not going to do that by ramming something down their throats that they're going to overreact to. Unfortunately, they've proven reactionary to even incremental change which is making things hard. Interesting. and Now, we won't necessarily
0: dive into the legalities or the politics of these states and their cannabis laws, but um, uh, a lot of this really was to give you guys a, a perspective on what's going on. And I, I personally think um, you're spot on and I, I, Oklahoma's a real conservative state. It's right in the middle of the country, and the fact that cannabis is thriving there, and I'm talking marijuana now, not CBD, but mar- the marijuana industry is thriving. It's make, It's gotta compel you, at least it did me for a while, to scratch my head and go, WTF? Like, what's going on?
1: Because culturally, they're similar to us. Now, I mean, Oklahoma and Texas don't like to hear that statement, okay, and, I, and I'd hate me a sooner, but um, <laughs> the reality is, They have the same type of agricultural industry that we do. They have um, the same sort of religious makeup. They are a former part of Texas. And so if if that type of legislation can sell in Oklahoma, there's no reason it shouldn't be saleable here. And the fact that Oklahomans are now getting on board once they see the improvement, to their bottom line, to their tax receipts, that, you know, chaos has not ensued throughout the state. I think it, it is a good it is a good model for something that could happen in Texas if our politicians would get on board.
0: Yeah. And so that that alludes all the way back to the power really is with the people. It is it's um, it's a matter of who we, who you, out there, whether you're a Texan or not, and whether you're in a rec legal, med legal state, whatever it is. The power truly resides in in you, in us, in casting a vote. If this is something that one truly believes in, because there's a lot of people who say, "I believe, I believe," and then come um, polling time, they're smoking a bowl at home. <laughs> our problem in,
1: in Texas, man, is you know they use these wedge issues. Like we had the bathroom bill one year and how when we needed to do major educational reform and there's federal courts telling us we're not taking care of our kids and CPS is making families worse and, and we're under orders to go make all these major reforms. The big discussion in the legislature was about um, who can use what bathroom based on gender identity, which I, I had never heard anybody talk about before that election cycle, you know? Yeah. So it's, it really is the top of our food chain in Texas, politically, um, that needs to change. Because you will find support for cannabis business all over the local level. And even some conservative counties, when you talk to the prosecutors, you talk to the local politicians, they're like, look, it's illegal, we're gonna prosecute it. But, you know, follow your motions. And some of those counties were very welcoming to us when we came in, I mean, cases were just going away. And we could expunge those off people's records, uh, particularly from military personnel and other people who had special issues. And, and you would think you're talking to some guy in the middle of West Texas who is wearing a hand-tooled leather belt and chewing tobacco and he's the sheriff and you can get rid of cases there with a phone call. It, it doesn't make sense that there's a small click at the top with like Dan Patrick, um, Greg Abbott, who are sitting on this legislation because the tides turned. The polls say that the public is on our side. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Interesting. The power is on. It's in, The power is with the people. That's, that's the truth. Yeah. And so... Um, so uh, before we started recording, we were talking about, and for those of you who aren't in Texas, this has as much relevance to you as it does to Texans. Uh, I'm originally from Southern Cal, and so uh, even though they may be you know, eons ahead of us, uh, they still had to go through these same gateways or wickets or whatever to uh, benchmarks to get to where they are. So, Or the states that are still further behind Texas. But one of the things you mentioned or we talked about was Austin um, recently passed a de- decriminalization, I'm not a lawyer, but decriminalization law, which meant that I guess they weren't gonna prosecute low level marijuana cases. And then I believe it was the chief of police came out and said, uh, yeah, we ain't gonna do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the problem in, in, in Texas is that you have elected officials who are just willing to ignore what the voters want. City council says, yep, this is not gonna be a priority for us, we have other problems. Let's legalize or, well, decriminalize really. And um, your law enforcement agency comes out and says, no, nope, we're still gonna arrest people and create all the problems that we've been creating. Um, personally, I think he's opening himself up to some lawsuits and I don't think it's gonna work out well for him, but they also have a kind of toxic conservative DA, which is weird for Travis County, which is a very liberal county in Texas. So it's the two law enforcement sides, the prosecutors and the cops, who are still resisting. I do not know why they would do that. I, I just don't understand it. Keeping Austin weird, huh? Austin is weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you would think they would settle into that groove a little yeah. bit. I mean, and you would think that with the, from what I've read and uh, my daughter lives in Austin, uh, there's a lot of California migrants, like people migrating from California to Austin. You would think that it would become even more progressive, but it seems,
1: it seems to be doing the dial turning the other way. I, I think we're just getting that last reaction. You know, people are just—it's the last bit of resistance before the tide turns. Is kind of my hope, at least. But I've been hoping that for a while. Yeah. So. We'll
0: see. So you mentioned in the beginning, normal. And for those of you who are, it's not normal like I'm normal, you're abnormal. It's normal, N-O-R-M-L. And this is an organization national with chapters in likely most cities. I know we have a chapter in San Antonio.
1: Um, Share with us what you do with the group normal. So I'm on their legal committee, which is a group of attorneys who originally we were just lawyers who committed ourselves to either marijuana advocacy publicly War to pro bono representation of people who um, were being abused under prohibition. Um, It has since grown. The the legal committee used to be a real small clique of lawyers and now people, I think, because of public opinion are starting to use it for marketing, but there's a lot more true believers that are willing to come out publicly. So the legal committee has expanded massively across the state. as some of the early members, we still commit ourselves to that pro bono ethos and a public advocacy, which is why thank you very much again for letting us come on right to weed to know. Um, But it's, it's a very decentralized committee. Um, So each lawyer kind of takes their own responsibility for how they're going to represent the legal committee. But if somebody gets in trouble, that's a good group of lawyers to call because they have a good listserv. We do communicate with each other. Um, Those are lawyers that tend to be up to speed on marijuana law and what's happening even in local jurisdictions, which can be tricky if you're an outsider. So it's a good group of people, it's a good resource. And those are lawyers who have publicly said we support marijuana reform.
0: Interesting. How big is the group? I'm just randomly curious. Oh, gosh, I want to say there's a couple hundred members now. Gotcha. And something else you mentioned was the, you're on the board of Texas Association of Cannabis Lawyers. I didn't know such a board existed.
1: No, it's a relatively new organization. The problem that we've got in Texas is because, you know, in other states there are, there are cannabis business lawyers because there's cannabis business Here, there isn't enough of a business community to really support that um, in terms of people actually dealing with large-scale hemp which is new to us. Um, And and obviously we have very limited ability to grow marijuana with THC in it. So the problem for cannabis businesses in Texas is there was nobody out there who could say, these lawyers have some business background as well as cannabis background. People were just hiring guys like me, criminal defense attorneys who were out there representing people on possession cases, maybe didn't know anything about business. So we formed Tackle to bring together a group of attorneys who could be homegrown and really understand Texas law, business law, and cannabis law. Um, And it's in its nascency, but we're up to, I think 30 members now um, from different communities and they're working together. So unlike the normal listserv, where it really is about defending possession cases, Um, this is sort of the first organization in Texas that is designed for legal representation of the cannabis business community. Um, there are people out there doing that Heather Fazio with the MPP and, and she's well known for that because she's in charge of the MPP. So if you're looking around Texas for a cannabis lawyer, you know, she's right on the list, um, and, and she's a good person to know too. Our goal was to produce something that wasn't just advocacy, but was related to business. Like, let us take care of your day-to-day needs for a very special industry. Right, interesting.
0: Maybe this is a segue or just a little left turn, but uh, so Texas now, and there's a lot of states that are in the same place that Texas is in as far as marijuana and or or versus CBD. So CBD is, it's everywhere now in the state. It's, uh, It's everywhere, period. It's in gas stations, it's on corner stores, it's in grocery stores. Uh, Being that Texas isn't a marijuana legal state and CBD is, are you seeing or do you even notice that there's, are there as many problems with CBD companies or consumers as there are with marijuana in the state?
1: So briefly, yes, there were. And they were going back, law enforcement was going back to the same model that they used just to prosecute head shops in general. They would go round up the employees and seize the stock. Um, Now we're not seeing it. It's an explosion. You've got some municipalities that are opposed and are trying to regulate it. The problem that we've got now in Texas, and it's not just unique to us, is that the CBD industry is highly unregulated. So while we've determined in Texas that CBD is legal to sell, you have no quality assurance. Um, It's very difficult for consumers to know what product they're getting and, and to know that what they're getting is going to be suitable for their needs, because we also don't have a lot of doctors who are educated on how to dose this. So people are kind of going at themselves. That's the problem with that industry, and it's going to create a lot of liability for folks down the line, um, the people running those businesses, because a lot of them are mom and pop locals who have contracted with a provider out of state and don't really understand their product, um, like we saw with the cheap vape pens coming from China and all right. of a sudden massive health problems. People are going to get sued for that. Uh, but, I mean, people have already been sued for that. Yeah. They're going to get sued for the CBD products too. And now the FDA is stepping in. So it's a risky business for mom and pops who don't really understand what they're doing and don't have good partners, you know, who are getting certificates of analysis and things like that. Um, but it, I mean, I think it is the driver for the change in public opinion in Texas because people now have access to that. They know people who are using CBD and they're looking at a cannabis product. Um, without the stigma.
0: Interesting. Is there, like, I'm, I'm just randomly curious now, so is CVD a stepping stone into, let's say medical marijuana, which
1: is a stepping stone into rec legal marijuana, recreational legal marijuana? I, I think it is. I mean, it's familiarizing the public with cannabis products. Um, the risk is if we get bad products out there and you start seeing these types of lawsuits, it could hurt public opinion and then damage our industry in Texas. But I, I think it has been a stepping stone so far. Yeah, I, I tend to
0: agree. I think it's, um, uh, once the people are, let's say, more familiar, comfortable with this whole CBD thing, then it's just a natural progression of, well, if this really worked for my thing or my ailment or my malady, then I wonder what uh, a dose of a medical marijuana product could do. and. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting.
1: Just seeing them everywhere. You, know, you drive pretty much anywhere in San Antonio, I mean, we're a big city, but um, all of our little subdivisions have CBD shops popping up in every, every little strip center. Yeah. You know? And it's real obvious they all say CBD right on it. You know? <laughs> so it, you know, it's, just, it's, it's demystified it. Um, it's made it something that people are aware of in their household. I mean, I, I knew people who um, viewed any type of cannabis product uh, the same way they were told about it in the 50s and, yeah. and now just like my dad his mind's blown every time he sees another CBD dispensary store show up and if he had any idea what was being sold in gas stations he would just be scandalized. Shh, I know we,
0: we made light of it um, kind of a joke but it's true um, about uh, buying sushi in gas stations. And it's like, you can buy sushi in a gas, like you can go to some gas stations, like a, what meant, well, a Valero or a Shell, whatever. And you can obviously fill up with gas, walk inside and get the usual, a soda, this. And now you can get like a burrito and sushi.
1: Yeah, I would trust and, the CBD before I trust the
0: sushi. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, sushi in a gas station, you gotta be kidding me. I'm not saying they shouldn't do that, but the correlate is that you can now get CBD in a gas station, like literally gas up, get your sushi. I, w- I would not do that, and your bottle of CBD. The challenge is this, though, and this is just my editorial comment here. Um, and I'm speaking now as somebody who's a leader and also a practitioner. I'm a registered nurse. Is ask the the young man or woman behind the counter to explain what the heck you're buying. Just ask him, <laughs> or even forget CBD. Ask him what's in the sushi. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a- it's, um, it's a strange new world and uh, the fact is, we have the opportunity to complain about it or to live and affect change, so I'm, I really dig that. Um, you're not just an attorney, you're doing work to really, let's say, elevate the industry and move it forward. Uh, you mentioned the Compassionate Use Act and that's, it's called TCUP, uh, Texas Compassionate Use Program. And um, since you brought, I was, it wasn't on my radar, but I'm curious now because uh, last, I think it was last year, Um, or several years ago, Uh, the state of Texas, the teacup program, we now have three, let's call them marijuana dispensaries. Uh, They're a lot different than you would find in Nevada or California, but it's the beginning of our program. They were supposed to release, I guess, the second iteration late last year. And then one day the door closed and they said, we're not going to take applicants. Um, It's done. Do you what's what's going on with that? What's going on with the compassionate use program in Texas?
1: So the legislature was under pressure to expand it and they did, but it's still an incredibly limited program. There's only a, a small list of conditions that can be treated. Um, our doctors are still required to prescribe instead of recommend something for obviously an off-label use. Uh, So there's not very many doctors who are willing to do that because it violates some of the national ethical standards for them. Um, So what we saw in the first round is that really there wasn't a whole lot of success. I mean, one of the first licensees never never really opened up and created any product. Uh, another one is, has announced that they want to come out of the market because they're not making enough money. Um, you've got you know another one that's diehard, but you only have a handful of doctors around the state, like I think 30 the last time I checked, who are even willing to evaluate people and maybe prescribe marijuana. So it's not economically viable unless somebody's in it for the long haul just to be the first and establish the reputation. The more recent problem that freaked DPS out is because we legalized hemp in Texas, um, now it's hard for law enforcement to figure out what's hemp and what's not hemp. Um, And a good friend of mine, Daniel Mailer, just got a lot of publicity because a client of his, and and he's the president of Tackle, got pulled over with a trailer full of hemp, which the, uh, (laughs) the cops thought was marijuana. They impounded it, it rotted, They had to give it back and now they're discussing how much money the government is going to pay for ruining a legal crop. But until they can figure out what's marijuana and what's hemp, DPS won't license anybody because it's just gonna create a problem. They already have an issue. Marijuana prosecutions are failing across the state. Um, And now if you let people start growing it here, how are you gonna know what's legal (laughs) marijuana, what's hemp, and what's being brought in from Colorado and Oklahoma? Uh, and so they've just said we're going to shut it down.
0: There's a lot of there's a lot of truth, scary or not scary, behind that is. And I totally got a visual when you said a trailer full of, um, trailer full of hemp. Because if you've never seen it, and I'm sure most of you out there have seen it yourselves, it looks, smells, touch, feels exactly like it's um, beautiful or evil cousin, whichever side you play on, um, marijuana. And it's I totally can see that a trailer full of hemp.
1: And yeah, that this guy has some paperwork, this trucker, and he's trying to, you know, explain to the DPS and local cops, no, no, I'm certified and everything. But they're like, yeah. No. Because law enforcement's been trained for years that you get to search any vehicle if you just smell marijuana. And that's nationwide. And it's the number one excuse to kind of get into a car. You know, it could be the windiest day in the world, it could be a hurricane out there, and they're like, no, I smelled marijuana. And and the Supreme Court says, basically, you get to search that vehicle. So the odor of marijuana for cops is this silver bullet. And to be told that you can't seize this giant trailer full of what smells like marijuana, I mean, it it was mind-blowing to them. And I think it's gonna be mind-blowing when they come back on the forfeiture action, uh, because my understanding is it was about $1.5 million worth of hemp. (laughs)
0: That's a lot of hemp. Teachers, nurses, and law enforcement have, in my opinion, the toughest jobs. It's uh, the most ungratuitous job. Uh, it's one of the most important jobs out there. And man, if you do things right, you still get in
1: trouble. If you do things wrong, you get in trouble. And there's no- well, p- It's because we don't have a good system here. Yeah. I mean, these guys have paperwork and they have you know, um, certificates of analysis, but the, the cops haven't been trained to do that. There's yeah. no certifying agency that can say, here's a legal crop in Texas and give you a stamped piece of paper you know, or seal the load with with tags to make sure that an officer knows it's legal. So what's what's a good yeah. Texas cop gonna do yeah. when he sees that load coming through? I mean, because we got the same loads coming from Mexico too. It's true. So it's an expensive mistake, and that's why DPS shut it down.
0: Definitely, lots of work to do, and it's awesome that there were groups, there are attorneys, there are professionals who are um, committed and dedicated to moving that needle in a positive direction, and. Um, it's here to stay. It's coming. whether you like it, support it, or whatever, it's 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 on the fast train to yeah. um, here in, especially in Texas, I, I believe.
1: I, I think so. Our challenge is just to come up with a responsible system that takes care of everybody, um, all the stakeholders, and and our, and we get a good public policy because we do need to take care of law enforcement. We do need to take care of consumers and we do need to take care of our business partners. Interesting, and even as an
0: attorney, I would imagine that uh, just because it becomes legal on whatever day or time, it doesn't mean that there's less work for an attorney. It probably means it opens up an entire new
1: vertical of clients. Absolutely, um, you know, it, and I like that so many of them are mom and pop because we have a real opportunity to educate them about basic business law and help them become successful. But no, I you know I, I love doing. Pro bono stuff. The fact that a lot of jurisdictions don't want to process low level marijuana anymore, including here in San Antonio, that doesn't affect my bottom line at all. Um, I know there are some lawyers out there who might be upset because we've been doing it on the cheap for so many years for us. It just feels like victory.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And just, just for a uh, record guys, if you're, whether you're listening or watching, we're going to put links and we're going to share links where you can find Joe and their law firm here in San Antonio later. So. Uh, but I know one of them, you mentioned you have a Facebook page. And just in case you can't spell Holscher, Gabia, Cepeda, P-L-L-C, um, it's H-G-C uh, Law, and that's on Facebook. And we're going to share the links on, our, on the show, show notes and all that later. So if you're kind of wondering or thinking, okay, where do I find this guy? Um, Facebook, it's H-G-C Law. Um, and then Twitter is Holscher Law. It's, uh, tell, tell us you came from Weed to Know, and we'll give you the good deal. Yeah, you get, you get the you get the homie hookup. <laughs> I was trying to think of a, let's do it let's do a weed to no gang sign. Say, you're gonna get the homie hookup. You're gonna be West hookup. Side, dude. Yeah. You're gonna go West Side. <laughs> hey, in some towns West Side is the cool side. Like L.A., you go to West L.A. That's where you want to be. But um, this has been so cool. I'm I'm really I'm really digging this, and I'm glad that you were able to uh, to come to um, this, the studio. So yeah, this is great. <laughs> this is nicer than my office. Yes. <laughs> We're here in the studio. Um, so yeah,
1: so Joe, tell us where folks can find you. Your URL, whatever it is you want to share. Uh, it's hgclaw.com. Um, and everything we're trying to market is HGC because of our impossible to pronounce names. But HGC Law, you should find us. Um, and if you want to go look at some other good lawyers, Tackle, taCL.org uh, is the Texas Association of Cannabis
0: Lawyers. T A C L. I did not know that. And just to clarify, guys, if you type in hcglaw.org uh, and you get to some hormonal growth therapy company, you probably typed in H C G instead of <laughs> the other way. So make sure you go to it's hgclaw.com. Um, Joe, it's been this has been a, a super cool. Uh, Thank you. I really much value. Time. I really place a lot of value on your opinion. I hope you guys found tremendous value in here and just know that there are people everywhere who are uh, looking out for not only you and us, but the industry, making sure things go forward. Joe, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you very much. And
0: guys, remember, if you're listening, if you're watching, we're gonna put the show notes down low. We're gonna put the links. so don't try to text and stuff while you're driving or operating machinery or trimming bud or whatever it is you're doing. Um, Pay attention to what you're doing. We're gonna put the notes here. If you're watching, If you're listening, if you're tuning in, it's because you two are on a weed-to-know basis. And don't forget, go to weedtoknowbasis.com to to get the other shows, really get in the know about how the industry is moving from um, the guy who never expected to be doing this show before. Have an awesome rest of the day, guys. Peace.